Hi. Hello. Hey. How you doing? I was worried that the mic was going to pick up my stomach growling just now. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to the Wine About Birth podcast. We are three birth professionals. And best friends. And we're here to talk about what it's really like to live in the world of birth. It's not all glitter and rainbows. Or as we like to say, it's a lot more shit than giggles. I'm Kim Haynes, and I'm a midwife at a busy birth center. I'm Uh, Meredith Rout, and I have a home birth practice. I'm Jess McKee, and I got distracted by a truck and almost just jumped right in front of Meredith. (laughs) Also, I'm a doula and a birth assistant. She's been jumping in front of me all morning because she can sprint and I can't. So we try to go running together. It's so beautiful today. It's so beautiful today. We are, um, well, we're not practicing social distancing from ourselves because we see each other so much that if any of us had coronavirus, we we all would have shared the germs anyway. But we are sitting outside because it's a beautiful day. We're getting vitamin D, which is supposed to be good for... All the things. All things. <laughs> Give me that vitamin D. You know what else being... is good for all things? What? Watching Meredith's butt. Oh my gosh. <laughs> While yes. we run. It's so mesmerizing. It was like one of those super satisfactory, what are they called? The things you watch. It's like, that's so satisfying. Yeah. So if there's anybody that's stressed about coronavirus, <laughs> we, um, I took a video of Meredith's butt running in I shiny did. shorts. I think I must have consented to them talking about this on our run today, but I don't remember saying that. And okay. um, so if anyone needs it, we're going to release it in slow motion as a meditation <laughs> oh app. With some really good humming. You just stare into it. And all of your problems go can away. Can I sing Lizzo in the background while it's uh, while it's going? Yeah. Why not? Yeah, you can. <laughs> so, yeah, we got some exercise and we're sitting outside. Kim is really fast despite her short stature. She's freakishly fast. She's so fast. I was a sprinter in high school. She hasn't even been practicing. I got like a, I got a, like a massive head start and she's still past me up a hill. It's the only thing I do good is running. She's the oldest out of all <laughs> of us. And be right at everything. And she has the shortest legs and she's so much faster than us. It's not fair. I'm fast for a little white girl. I feel really bad about myself. I'm going to have to go in and meditate. Actually, now that you put it out, I'm the youngest one and I'm by far the slowest. <laughs> well... That is heartbreaking. We can me- we can meditate to your butt together to make <laughs> oh ourselves feel better about that. our body me dysmorphia. Too. I couldn't breathe after we ran. I almost died. You guys would have been doing this podcast <laughs> without me. No. Jess almost stopped breathing on our walk and slash run. Also, it was because a flower died and she yeah. was very upset. She turned her face turned purple. Oh my god! She yeah. almost never started crying. I've never seen so much emotion flow out of you ever. Yeah. I think that the people that are listening will understand this. So I am like obsessed with spring flowers. She loves flowers way more than she loves people. I love them. <laughs> And so for sure, <laughs> two of my favorite flowers, my first favorite flower is bluebells and they only like bloom for a couple weeks in the spring. My second favorite flowers are lilacs. I've been trying to grow a lilac bush for three years. So there are these beautiful lilac bushes that every year these people have these huge bushes and I walk by and I like steal a couple of their lilacs. We were on our walk today and they literally <laughs> cut them down to stubs. And then I saw the carnage of the bush. They were already blooming. They cut yeah. the effing blooms. I'm pretty sure Jess the fell to her knees screaming. No. She did fall over. I tripped on her. The, I almost saw the threw blooms. up. It was like I saw a dead person in the road. <laughs> I, had to, like, I think it was back. worse than if you'd seen a dead person in the road, Jess. I feel like you wouldn't have even blinked an eye, but with the flowers, it why, was the crisis. Why wouldn't they just wait for the lilac to finish blooming? It's it's inhumane. It's it's unnatural. <laughs> it's the, actually in The world is going planting. crazy. <laughs> yeah. All I got out of your story was a big bush. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I learned? What's better than a cold Bud Light? A, a warm, warm bush. <laughs> so on that note, let's... That, now, that's not our joke. So on that note, Can't let's that just one. dive into our real topic. Like, like a muff. <laughs> that was... What is her name? Laura Celery? God, Clary. she's... Clary. God, so she's funny. funny. Mom jokes. Well, since we're talking about great jokes, have you guys seen the Jason Momoa gif for COVID? Yes. Have you seen it? I don't think so. I oh, have. It's good. It's like him shirtless from Aquaman. And it says, wash your hands the way you'd wash Jason Momoa. <laughs> and someone commented, who the fuck would wash their hands with their tongue? <laughs> <laughs> Lick yourself clean. That's hilarious. So what are we actually talking about today, guys? 
Well, I know uh, we're pulling a double header, but today we are talking about, and in, in all this time where we've been quarantined and we've been talking about preparing, we are talking about preparing for birth and what we wish our clients would do. Good transition, Tess. To actually wish. prepare for birth. Things we wish our clients had done. Things that we recommend that sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. And if you don't, we can tell. I swear the times we try to just record outside is the time that like the loudest trucks in the history of yeah. mankind drive by or like people decide to like tractor things. It's mm. just, I don't know what tractor. I think you have a verb, tractor pull right now going down your street. So sorry guys, but we're recording outside anyway. <laughs> we're not going to apologize for being outdoors though. But uh, sorry, not sorry. Yeah, before we, before we um, talk about preparing for birth. Kim wanted to share a wine about yeah, birth. Yeah, I have a wine. A I don't think we wine birth. enough in this podcast, actually, so I'm glad I we're doing I feel like this. all we do is bitch about things, is but maybe true? not. Mm. I don't know. So I realized, I, I talked to someone this this past week, and she told me a story about her birth. Um, and all I kept thinking while she was, and I've heard this so many times, but all I kept thinking was, you are one human being out of millions, and this is why our maternity care sucks a big fat fist it's awful <laughs> i stopped myself <laughs> she i don't said, know why it's a shame she said fist i said fist so she was just and first of all i also want to say that winchester medical center seems to be moving backwards at a faster pace than i can run forward which is really yeah. impressive they jumped right on that train to push on back um Everyone loved Karen. She's gone. We need to replace her with another fucking midwife, not with another another white man. We have enough of those in OB, so I'm just going to throw that right on out there. Does that have something to do with your story, or are you just... Well, um, I'm just adding that to my story, right because this story may have taken place in Winchester. So this poor sweet girl did her research, and she decided she wanted a natural birth, and she did all the things. She had a class. She was researching. She was like getting information from other people, also known as researching. And um, she didn't have a doula, but she did have a practice that had midwives in it. So she thought maybe this was a good way to go. They did her um, ultrasound and told her that her baby weighed 13 pounds. <laughs> oh, my God. I've never, I mean, I know they're out there, but in 15 years, I've, I haven't seen. The ones that are 13 pounds usually aren't caught on ultrasound. Well, and the so. thing is, she's, exactly, she was a, she's a healthy woman. She didn't have gestational diabetes. She didn't have, she's like smaller than me. She's like your size, pointing to Jess, because she's maybe the smallest of us. By mm-hmm, for pounds. sure. I'm the fluffiest I've ever been, though. Looking hot. Your, f- your fluff is our skinny. So she asked for a trial of labor and they said no. So also Had she had a C-section before? No. It's her first baby. I feel like this is a fact too that everyone should know that I assume people know. But just remember that ultrasounds can be plus or minus two pounds. Like there's a sizable well, margin 20%, of error. 20%, right? Well, so, 20%. That's yeah. true. Well, well, two pounds. the weight, yeah. Weight, the weight on ultrasounds can be really off. I mean, remember when you went in the day before you had Evie and they told you she weighed seven pounds? Yeah, they told my mom not to worry. She only weighed seven pounds and then she came out nine, two. Yeah. And so, so they were way off. Yeah. And so it can happen the other way, too. They can say that your baby weighs 13 pounds and it can actually weigh seven pounds. It's crazy. Okay. So I do understand ACOG's recommendation and we have read evidence-based births opinions, but this- And, and ACOG's mm-hmm. consensus on it. Right. And so, you know, ACOG- Everything is saying that all of those statistics, they recommend cesarean if a baby is suspected to be over 11 11 pounds, if they do not have just 5,000 grams, right? Yeah. Yeah. If they don't have gestational diabetes and if they are more than nine pounds, 15 ounces, if you do have gestational diabetes, I understand all of that, but Mm -hmm. they do also state this research is not based on any evidence. It's based on professional opinion. Um, yes, ACOG. Like the opinion is not based in research; ACOG, it's based on professional opinion. ACOG right. call stated that the evidence for um, elect for elective C-section for suspected big babies is grade C, meaning this recommendation is based on consensus and expert opinion only, not research evidence. And then the evidence-based birth article pointed out that um, some of the evidence actually points to the fact that doing elective cesareans or early inductions for suspected big babies. All of the evidence they have does not show that it improves outcomes for either moms or babies. There's actually an interesting fact here. It says, 
A policy, and this is from evidence-based birth, this is a policy of elective cesareans for big babies likely does more harm than good for most birthing people. It would take nearly 3,700 elective cesareans to prevent one permanent case of brachial plexus palsy in babies who are suspected of weighing more than 9 pounds, 15 ounces. Yeah, and Which so... Which is crazy. Yeah, it's, that's... And so brachial plexus palsy is when they damage the nerve in the baby's shoulder that controls how their arm moves. Because mm-hmm. um, when you have a dystocia, oftentimes you have to put pressure in that area in order to move the baby underneath the bone. Yeah, and it's, it's a so lot. It it's damage. a lot of pressure. So, so that's that's what the that's what we found out. So about I the research behind this. I get all of that, and I do understand that each provider has to do what they're comfortable with. But this mom did research. She talked to the doctor. She talked to the midwife. She said, "This is how I'm feeling." Can I have a repeat ultrasound? Because I know human error is at play. Can I do this? Can I have a trial of labor? Can I try this? Can you give me some time to labor and then section me at a certain time? No, 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 no. And then the midwife said, well, if it were up to me, I mean, yeah, I would absolutely let you try to birth this baby vaginally. But if something went wrong, it would be my fault and I would feel terrible. And so she just was stuck having a cesarean but she went into labor on her own at 38 weeks which will often happen with a giant baby mm-hmm. and she went in and she was um told to wait because there were a lot of other people you know ahead of her whatever. so you're not allowed to labor but you have to wait and she did for hours and hours and hours and it got to the point where she was she's like i think i was in transition it's not like i wasn't doing my research i had support people um i was obviously in where transition. was she was she like in triage this whole time no, I think when you when you're told to wait, you can come and go. So I'm not sure if she went, came, whatever. But she wasn't being monitored at this time. So she came in and they looked at her and realized, oops, like she's going to push her baby out in a minute. And they did rush her back and do a very traumatizing emergency cesarean. Did they like, did ever she, tell her how far along she was dilated? No. Did and she they, have to go under completely? They put her under because they said they waited too long and couldn't possibly take the extra five to 10 minutes to do an epidural. Oh my They gosh. just put her under. So she was away from her baby the entire time. And her giant 13 pound baby weighed just over nine pounds. My babies weigh just over nine pounds. And again, I get and it. That's, as that's not even, that that's not the nine under. pounds, 15 ounces. That, so this yeah. is a case of human error with measuring. And I know big babies are hard to measure. And I'm not like, you guys suck. But I mean, she did her research. She was told, these are your risks. Your baby could die. And she said, I hear you. I just feel really good about my body. And I know in my research, all of this is adding up to mm-hmm. human error. And I do not feel like my baby weighs 13 pounds and I want a shot and they said no she didn't realize she could leave or go to someone else and yeah. maybe maybe someone else would not have given her that chance but the other but I feel like there there is something to be said for the fact that it's like it's illegal like if you do not consent to something yeah it's, like mm-hmm. and I know people don't realize this but if you do not sign that consent form to have a cesarean especially if you're in that situation where you're in transition they make you feel like you have to but, but you actually legally somebody can't force you to get general anesthesia and go under and cut out your baby yeah. like you and I've have seen the right women, to say no to that i've seen women that i am begging them to consent to the cesarean please like your baby is in danger and they say no and there's nothing they can do mm-hmm. so the mom wasn't given a choice she just said absolutely not the people she thought would help her didn't um and she's just traumatized by it and i know this will lead into our trauma episode and yeah. whatever for next week, but it's just disgusting. And yeah. then they went on to, they, they did, they made a mistake during her cesarean that cost her some things. And then they made some other mistakes afterwards. I can't give the details. I feel like it would be too close to home, but um, it was just awful. And this is one woman out of how many that Winchester is serving right now. And I thought we were moving in the right direction, but the stories I've been hearing lately show otherwise. Yeah. We need more fucking midwives at Winchester Medical Center. We need more continuity of care in Winchester Medical Center. I don't understand why they're moving And we need backwards. to like trust women's choices more. Yeah. Anyway, I, I just thought I'd whine about that. That was a not fun whine. I don't even have any alcohol to We don't have to a whine to whine no, about. No, we're all sober. I haven't drank anything in over a week. I'm letting my liver have a break. It's actually been so kind of glorious. I'm proud of myself. Good job, you. Um, Other people are like, uh, I haven't had a drink in six months. What's your problem? <laughs> <laughs> the words of an alcoholic. <laughs> no, I think this is the longest I haven't had anything to don't drink say it. since I was don't pregnant. Don't say it. Oh. Yeah, and that was nine years ago. So, um, 
So anyway, let's get back to like preparing for birth because I think that there's a lot of um, when I talk about preparing for birth, I feel like there's a lot of things that we as providers say to people. And I see very often, especially in first time moms, um, this thought that it's like, oh, I hear all these things and I know that can help. But there's this thought or this feeling of, well, that's not going to happen to me. Everything will be fine for yeah. me. Um, and so I would. And it's not foolproof. Like this mom did a lot of preparing as well and it she still did. work, didn't work out the way she wanted. So it's not like yeah. foolproof, but it's only going to set you up for success part by of, trying. But part of the preparation is also understanding your rights as a laboring mom, as right. a consumer of birth care mm-hmm. um, and knowing that you have the right to say no to things or you have the right to switch to another provider. Yeah, that's a really good point. It. I like to compare pregnancy to car buying because or car driving. I had to take a class all year before I could get behind the wheel. And then I had to take behind the wheel. It was obnoxious. Mm-hmm. And then when we were buying a new car, Chuck and I spent months researching what, what, um, person do we want to go to where do we want to buy our car you get pregnant and you just go to the first person that you see or that your friend uses with no research at all like you have to you have to remember like you are a consumer mm-hmm. you get to choose who mm-hmm. takes care of you People and your baby like i'm crazy when i start telling when i especially like if we're talking about prepping for transfer if it ever happens like telling people that they are consumers of healthcare and they get to choose what services they 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 use mm-hmm. people look at me like i'm insane like that concept is so bizarre to people yeah. in our country that and if you're even there, people who are like really crunchy have a hard time accepting that i feel if like if you're there in an emergency obviously we step back and let the professionals handle the emergency but not what you're saying is is absolutely true like right. you don't have to walk in and, and accept sign, the fentanyl right and accept all this other exactly. stuff like you get to choose what you what you consume we while you're there consumers and yeah. we want to consume delicious practices. Delicious <laughs> oh evidence-based pra- evidence-based practices. The transitions in this episode are I painful. Need, I need a drink, I think. So I feel like um, we should talk about in pregnancy, like the first things we want to talk about. Because I feel like you guys as midwives, I hear this from you a lot. Like you get clients um, who it's like uh, starting with just diet, who just oh will not... God take any recommendations food at all. is medicine <laughs> yeah regarding diet especially for somebody that's trying to have an out-of-hospital birth and we're not saying you have to diet just look at your diet yeah look how much protein you're consuming how much iron are you getting are you getting any leafy greens how much sugar are you eating like oh none God. of these things are saying you have to be on a diet or eat a certain diet you know like we're not into keto or whole 30 or anything like that like go you if you're rocking those things but that doesn't mean you have to do something like that just to take a look and see what you're consuming on a daily basis yeah because there will be people who will just be like living off of complex not or simple carbohydrates and sugar delicious foods yeah Yeah. and they're like and drinking soda and no water and then they're like I don't understand why I have gestational diabetes yeah I'm shocked by like what some clients can eat and get away with but then also we have clients That's who end true. up having negative birth outcomes and they never connect it to their diet but it's all related oh i will connect well, yeah. it i wonder yeah. if this has something to do with the 14 mountain dews you had yesterday yeah mm. well it's, it's also like your diet feeds like your blood levels and so if you're not giving yourself enough of what you need you're putting yourself at a higher risk of hemorrhage mm-hmm. and like not having your uterus not being strong enough to have strong enough contractions to labor your your baby out to push your baby out and if you are getting care um you know in the hospital or wherever they they don't have time to talk to you about this but you could say hey could you give me a like an example of a good breakfast lunch and dinner just so i can have something to get like ask figure Mm -hmm. figure it out ask google healthy pregnancy diets, anything at all. Yeah. A diet that I really love to talk, tell my clients about, it's not a diet. It's just making sure you're getting enough of stuff. And I really think people should look it up is the brewer diet. Um, doctor, what was that face about? Do you guys not agree with that? Is this the one where you have to drink like an X amount of milk every day and potatoes? No, it's a hundred grams of protein a day. So doc, Doctor Which one am I thinking of? Because the one I'm talking about, people still get recommended to. Dr. Brewer is a doctor that um, he was delivering babies in a really low income area and their preeclampsia rates were like through the roof. And so he came up with this diet to try and help with it because um, they didn't really have the resources to help moms once they got preeclampsia. And 
once people started doing it, their preeclampsia rates dropped down to like. So it's like meat and hard boiled eggs. And it's, it's based and it's talking about like getting enough protein so that your body can build a baby. But it's also about um, having enough fluid because when you're when you're pregnant, your blood volume has to expand. If you don't have enough fluid and if you don't have especially enough salt and electrolytes, your body can't do that. And then um, bad stuff starts to happen. Um so it's it's just a simple diet that helps you get enough protein and fluids and salt so that it and it helps prevent preeclampsia. Even if you just cut out your fast foods and your Slurpees yeah. and your sodas, like that's or Kool Aid, anything like, well, all juice really. <laughs> yeah, don't drink your sugar, please. Just don't drink it. So yeah, so you that would be our first wine about. So your first thing would be, I wish women would look at their diet. And water yeah. intake. I mean, I think you spoke to that a little bit within that, but please drink water. Yeah. So yeah, important. Dehydration is one of the major causes of um, preterm labor. Yeah. And Muscle also cramps. causing complications Infection. in labor once you're in it. Yeah. yeah. So many things. So what's something else that we get annoyed about that our clients don't do? My biggest thing is just not educating yourself. Yeah. Um, and I know I just touched on that a minute ago, but there are... So many things that you can look into on your own. You have Google. Most people, if you don't have Google, Google on your phone, wisely though. Sorry, <laughs> no, I know, but no, you could Google like, for example, childbirth education classes yeah, or right. um, care providers in the area. Choose a person that you feel goes well for you, and then if you aren't comfortable birthing out of the hospital, fine, go with an OB or in hospital midwife. But mm-hmm. look for a good childbirth education class. If you go into labor and you've never heard like the different phases of labor or things that you can expect, it's just a giant shock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And then if you're like, Yeah, I really don't want to do that, then hire a doula. Yeah. Most that fear is my is centered on lack of knowledge when yes. it comes to birth. And fear is what causes complications because you're like aren't coping well with what's going Remember on. Remember when we used to teach that free class when we were first doulas and we would show the fear yeah. panic um, fear pain tension cycle yeah and mm. how it just keeps going yes Back we, should in talk, the day. we should totally do that at prenatals more I forgot about yeah. that yeah and I, I feel like um Again, it goes back to that people are like, well, that won't happen to me. But it's also like doing the research on what is a good childbirth class because you can go to a childbirth class that's really not going to prepare you for what to expect. And that's whether or not you're planning a natural birth, whether you're not planning a natural birth, like just knowing what to expect is going to help you like not show up at the hospital too soon and have to get sent home. Like, yeah, it's going to help, you know, like. Do you want pain medication? Do you not want pain medication? And like, there's nothing wrong with making those choices. Um, but make but informed choices. Now, there are some people, and I know I've, t- I've touched on this in another episode, that are just like, I don't want to learn anything, and we'll just go, and we'll see what happens, and their birth ends up fine, and they're happy with it. Yes. But there are a lot of people, and we see it a lot, who do that, um, or do that thing where it's like, that won't happen to me, and they go there, and they are traumatized by the things mm-hmm. that happened to them. And they're like, I didn't know that. I didn't know what I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah. We all wish that we're going to go uh, speaking as someone who's around a baby. We all wish we're going to just be that person that goes primal in labor mm-hmm. and like, doesn't get caught in their head and like, we'll just work through everything. But like, if it works out for you, awesome, but don't, it's better to uh, prepare instead yeah. of like, assume that's going to be you. And if it goes, if it works out the way, awesome, go you for being primal. And if not, well, at least you're prepared to handle your crazy thoughts that are going to make you feel like yeah. you're losing your mind. And I'm saying that as a person who did that, their first baby, I totally know what that was like. I was what like, happened to you? I ended up, I was planning a home birth and I did not, like, I did not want to go to that place where I even thought about transfer. So I did not prepare for it. I did not think about what would happen. And then I transferred and I was traumatized by it. Um, And so it's like now when I have clients, I'm like, I I ask them, do you want to talk about what would happen if there's a transfer? And most of them do because it's like it it feels much less scary if you understand a little bit about what's going to happen if Mm -hmm. you do that. I've Uh, been thinking about you a lot, too, because you're getting all these late to care transfers and like which ones of them have had any childbirth education or if Most they did in the haven't. hospital, like cool, but that's preferring them from hospital birth. So are they in any way prepared for out of hospital birth? So mm-hmm. um, really actually, I think if we take late to care moms now, they have to have a doula because there's no way to teach these moms. We educate at the center to the point of exhaustion. Like these moms know every single thing that could possibly happen. So when you walk in at 36 weeks, 
you don't know anything. I mean, whatever they've taught you somewhere else is nothing compared to what we're teaching you because that to me, we have the time. (laughs) We have the time Mm -hmm. and it's so, it's so, so important. And I just want to point out that the education, I mean, and I did this myself. It, I stopped learning about anything after the birth. Mm. Yeah. Never even considered circumcision, yeah. vaccinations. Definitely learn about the fourth trimester. That's, yeah. I think that's like what all of my moms, when they have recommendations of what they do differently, they wish that they had focused more on like postpartum in the fourth trimester. For sure. Because yeah. when they ask you like, you know, at the center, you know, hepatitis B shot, um, vitamin K, eye ointment, all these things that so we do educate on these things so that you know in advance. But if you're birthing in the hospital... I just remember going, I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like how just, many times you're like, here's this here's right. this paper. Do you want it or not? You're like, whoa, like I'm so tired right now. I can't even I know. Read. Like and with like, Oz, I'm like, I don't know. Give it to him if you usually do. And the hospital just has their information that they have to give because of the CDC or whatever. So you're not going to get two sides of information right. from that. Um, so it's like doing that research in advance, especially for those things that it's a choice for every single person. It's not just, it's not like... Um, you know, you can make a birth plan, but if your birth, something goes wrong, that might have to change. Like deciding whether your baby's going to be circumcised or have a hepatitis B shot, that's like going to be an option no matter what. So it's like, figure that out beforehand. So you're not sitting in the hospital with a new baby trying to be like, I don't know, what would you do? Or worse, I've been doing this, this parenting for 24 and a half years. And I'm learning things now that I never bothered to learn. And I feel like Chuck in regards to circumcision. I'm like, I can't believe I didn't know these things and I have all these kids and I just practically hate myself for some of the decisions I've made that I'm just now learning about. Like you can do that now Mm -hmm. and make good decisions that you feel great about instead of just signing a form going, meh. I mean, if it works for most people, it'll be fine for me. And that's what I did. Yeah. And I mean, information does change, but the information on like hep B, vitamin K, erythromycin, those circumcision, that information is out there. Yeah. Like it is. There's so much It's not really changing because- the research has been done for decades yeah so So in summary and then and then so like having a good doula is that's part of our job is like informational support too it's like pointing you to the decisions that it's important to make and helping you find information so you can make choices so before we go to the break i want to talk because that's i know one of your guys's biggest pet peeves is that people are like they don't see the value of having a doula and we really wish that more people would listen to the value of having a doula well, if you don't know what a doula is and you're pregnant, then that's just one of those things you haven't, you have to educate, you have to research on. Yeah. But in like for me, in summary, it's just start talking to other people, start researching like you would if you were buying a car and make decisions in advance so that this stuff isn't sprung upon you. And, and, and research who the doulas are, find out what kind of work they do. If they have like any specialties or like passion projects that connect with you. Yeah, because, um, you know, but I don't think that you can really, most people really don't understand what doulas do or how valuable they are until they experience it. Hospital situation. Yeah, it's crazy. But they are also an added cost and some people just don't have it. So I do want to say that if you didn't attend me for free, I would not have had you. (laughs) (laughs) But then you have to like fill that gap somehow by self-informing and having a really solid game plan for advocacy that you're not responsible for because you're going to be tired. There are some people that are their births going to go find doula or not, but then there are some people that having a good doula might make the difference between how their birth goes. And there's still options for that. Like there's doulas in training that are really good, even though they're new, who will do it for like really less, less money. Um, so there's always, there's always options mm-hmm. for that kind of thing so that you can have the support you need if you see the value in it. Um, so to cover what we whined about in the first half <laughs> educate yourself eat, eat good, well eat drink a good water diet. yeah take a childbirth class to find out something about birth and research some of the things yeah. that could happen to you in the hospital or that you could and plan for tr- talk, talk about the hard things too yeah yeah don't just talk about the um the glitter and rainbows that you think birth is going to be <laughs> i can't wait um, to hear what meredith wishes her moms would do when mm. we come back from our break all right, let's go to break. Cue the music. Oh, yeah. So today's sponsor for our episode is our original sponsor and one of my personal favorites, Beluga Baby Bamboo Baby Wraps. 
What is a beluga baby bamboo baby wrap? Well, it's a baby carrier that you can use to carry your baby while leaving your hands free. Why do you need to get one of these? Well, it has this delicious four-way stretch that really makes your baby feel like it's still in the womb. So you can comfort your baby while having your hands free to do whatever you need to do. It is also a small company. So if you buy from them, you're supporting a small family and not a large company. So you should really check them out at www.belugababy.com. You should go get one today because you're going to love that four-way stretch. Beluga baby bamboo baby wraps. Let's go back to our episode. Welcome back from that delightful break. Can we do a video of you doing that all the time? Because that was fantastic. Where's Ren going? She's going to the playground. By herself? No. Oh. With With the neighbor kid's parent. Oh. When I pulled up, I was like, oh... There's a poor homeless child walking up the streets, Ren. <laughs> it's Ren. She's so filthy right now. It's hard now. to tell that it's Ren because her hair is so dirty. It looks like it's a different But it's color. not even dirty. It's just, it's no, just, it's, uh, I'm pretty sure she still has the green stuff in it from St. Patrick's Day. Oh. Yeah. She's like, I'll be like, Ren, you really, we, I'm not taking you out of the house until you change your clothes. And she'll be like, mom, I've only been wearing these for three days. <laughs> <laughs> Like, all right, well, I guess you have at least another three then. We're good. Yeah, what's your standard? What's the average? Yeah. So this can help prepare you for what having a kid is like. She literally will fight with me about. Yeah, but she probably has an amazing immune system. So yeah, my kids do have amazing immune systems. If the apocalypse really is here, she's going to be like Yeah, we're all going to be like complaining about not having showers and feeling grimy and gross. And she's just going to be like thriving so hard. Glowing. Look at me. This is my normal life. (laughs) It's playing in the creek. Okay, so we're back from the break. We get to hear about Meredith. I did the okay so thing again. Um... There are some more things I know I want to complain about that I wish our clients would do to prepare. Oh, okay. Well, let's hear them. You don't want to do any first? Well, Meredith was going to say hers. I mean, I have a feeling we'll all have the same ones. So I don't really care who you're, says them. But you you're making, first, Meredith. You're also making a face like I'm supposed to know what you're talking about. Am I? No, I think I'm making a face that, I, once again, because we hit the record button, one of the loudest Did trucks you? in the history of ever drove by. <laughs> I've never seen that truck drive by my house before that, in my life. And it's actually going to come loop around and do it again. Watch. I mean, what is this? He may have just something. Yeah, that was one hell of a redneck in the making right there. Yeah, it's a baby baby redneck. Little baby redneck. Wow, we should have thrown a Bud Light can at him. He would have caught it like in midair like a professional (laughs) baseball player. Slow motion. And then popped it with one finger and (laughs) (laughs) or shotgunned it before he goes around the corner. Yep. That's called a roadie, friends. <laughs> Always accepted. A lot of different re- ex- and because uh, it would probably for that word. Because it would probably be foamy from the throw. It would be a roadie head. <laughs> Roadhead. <laughs> What's happening? We're dumber when we don't drink. <laughs> I know. It is worse when we don't drink, I feel like. All right, Meredith. All right. I, w- I would like... To encourage people to process their previous birth experience before going into another one, maybe seeing a counselor for any emotional needs they might have that could become apparent in their birth. And that also includes sexual trauma. I know that's a really, 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 really hard thing to work through. But if you ever in your life are going to work through your sexual trauma, I feel like the arrival of your child is a really good reason to do so. And I don't think just the birth is a reason to do that because the birth is like, what, one day and the baby's going to come out one way or another. Um, But a lot of the trauma we have from when we were kids or anything that happened that plays over into our parenting. And so Mm -hmm. having kids, they know how to trigger our deepest, darkest, like all of our yeah. triggers all just, of our all of our shit it's like that's your biggest button ding 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 <laughs> probably why i haven't had one yet because i just know it's gonna be like ding, 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 ding. it's gonna oh, be like it's gonna be like las vegas it's gonna just be like flashing <laughs> yeah it's crazy that's what they it's what they do well and, so. and you want to you want to break the cycle and you don't want your kids to be part of breaking the cycle it should happen before they arrive so if you can work through all your trauma beforehand mm-hmm. then you'll know what to say or do when your kids Meredith start to push your buttons mm-hmm. and I don't think you can work through all of your trauma but even like starting yeah that's a lifelong process right. but starting getting a process in a practice of ha- good habits 
But just for like speaking of birth, preparing for birth, though, like especially sexual trauma, I feel and past trauma from births, it is so important because all of that comes back out. Um, A lot of the things from that happened during birth can trigger memories like that. Um, And And you if if, like your provider isn't the person that you're going to feel comfortable telling about and talking to, that's totally fine. But Mm -hmm. know this, like as your providers, we will most likely realize what's going on when you're in labor. So I'm not saying you have to talk to us about it. However, it will become apparent and we will probably know anyways. So if you feel like it's more trusting to like develop a relationship with someone and talk about it, I would recommend doing yeah, that like because EM- it will come EMDR up. therapy is having a lot of like success with treating trauma. Um, but yeah, it can be really hard for people that have sexual trauma to have um, births that are not traumatic. Yeah, and there are providers who are better trained to handle those kinds of situations. So you can mm-hmm. ask those kinds of questions, like we talked about earlier, like research. Ask questions, like, do you have any specialized training in dealing, like, working with people yeah. with sexual trauma or abuse? I've worked with, as a doula, with clients who had sexual trauma, and um, there were some providers I've worked with, the nurses especially, that were just so amazing and so like big on consent and like recognizing the fact that that person had trauma and then there was other providers that were just so aloof so horrible and oh my god did everything wrong and like say triggered even if you don't know someone has a history of sexual trauma you shouldn't say those things to people yeah what's especially around kids book um the birth partner no the um the one that she wrote for women with sexual trauma um it's really hard to read. It was hard for me to read. It's more for... Oh, is it the one you gave me? Yeah, it's more for um, birth providers. Something about survivors. I'm looking at Oh, right when now. survivors give birth. When survivors give birth, it yes. Just, it, it was so eye-opening. to, And I'm like, oh my God, I've said some of these things without even thinking about it. So mm-hmm. now after reading that book, I'm like, okay, don't don't say this. Don't say that. I need to read that. It's actually so helpful. And we have... Um, I've had multiple women go through my care where I know they have a history but they don't know it it's yeah they mm-hmm. have repressed it mm-hmm. and so ha- you can't say hey you've been traumatized and you have repressed it so it's like so have you ever considered have you ever considered therapy have you ever but then also that's shocking like yeah. when you like opening that door for yeah people. opening the door in pregnancy and learning that you had this or that occur as a child that is a really stressful time to go through that and process. So. But it is a time when like people can start to have like weird flashbacks of things that they didn't even realize existed and you can't really control when that happens. Mm-hmm. And so it could happen in labor anyway. Yeah. Totally true. Um, I have a, I have a one that I would like to talk about. Go for it. Um, it's go not ahead. as intense as yours, but um, I really, really, really wish more people would listen to us and like get Webster chiropractic care. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Chiro and care. So many people don't want to spend the money and I, I get, or can't spend the money and I get that, but I've had several clients who I'm like, please go to a Webster t- technique doctor, please go to the chiropractor. And they don't. And uh, these have been hospital clients and they walk into the hospital and they find out their baby's breach. And, um, and that's like things that could be avoided if like that the Webster technique chiropractors can make such a big difference in how your birth goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not just breach, but like OP babies, asynclitic yeah. babies. How many moms have we had where I'm like, ah, oh, your baby's your head's kind of on your hip. And I really, really think you should go to this guy. Please go get adjusted. And then overnight they're in labor or yeah. like literally know. within the same day. Yeah. Go it's, into labor. It just got to be adjusted. If your pelvis is off the baby, all babies do specific cardinal movements to come out. So, that's mm-hmm. in their brain. This is how they're coming out. So if you have something blocking that way, or if one side of your pelvis is more tight than another, that's not going to allow them to get a good position. So it's all right. super intricate. And a lot of people don't really understand what Webster technique chiropractic is. Um, so it's not like turning babies, but basically what Webster technique chiropractic does is that 
Um, it works on the principle that all babies, like you said, they, they want to get into the best position for birth. And usually if they're not, it's because something is holding them up. And having a misbalanced pelvis can make the shape of your uterus different because it's all connected. Um, if your tailbone is in too much, it can make that space that your baby has to come out of smaller. If one hip is higher than the other, it makes your pelvic outlet smaller. All these little minute things that you don't mm-hmm. think make a big deal actually make a really big deal Such when it comes to those finite little movements mm-hmm. that babies have to so make. So if you correct that and give the baby adequate space, usually they will get into the position they need to for birth and give your pelvis the space it needs that your baby can come through it. Mm-hmm. And this is like likely happening more and more um, because we don't do things anymore. Most women mm-hmm. are at a desk job all day. Mm-hmm. They're just sitting. Um, they're not out exercising. They're not, or squat. they're not squatting for any reason. It's just yeah. we're just setting ourselves up for yeah to have harder births is that our new is that our new fitness goal is whenever we record to do squats instead of doing chair sitting correct squats we should like deep squats Mm -hmm. so now we need a shirt that says um balance your brain and your pelvis yes (laughs) get your brain straight get your pelvis straight my pelvis is so straight Mine's not. I haven't been adjusted in forever. <laughs> no, I haven't either. I don't. T- I I do when I'm pregnant. I do go all the time, and I wish I would go more now. But um, when you're pregnant, it's so we important. do things for our babies more than we do for ourselves. Very well, true. Well, not just for my baby, but I also wanted to have a good birth experience. After my first one, it was like super important to me, and that was like part of the preparation to make sure my birth could go as smoothly as possible. Yeah, um, and it did. And it did. My second birth was fantastic. We've had a couple moms recently who um, did not have chiropractic care and their birth was really hard and they pushed forever. And then we see them again and they go to Dr. D and then they, their babies just fall out. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, it. Ta-da. But then it also helps like the chiropractor we send people to. If you have seen him in pregnancy, he will also adjust your baby for the first six months for free. And so it's like there are sometimes your baby can be off a little bit after birth. And it's like can, having latch problems. It can make breastfeeding problems. It can it, it can do a whole like a bunch of things and so it's like that it in itself is a huge deal yeah you definitely can notice like babies will favor one side or another oftentimes right after the birth and that's because their neck is stiff and sore and so it or forever can really help yeah that's fair or forever so do we have any other um complaints that we want to talk about things that we wish our clients would do and listen to us about uh, something we talked about last time was the whole picking your birth team thing. Yeah. I still have um, clients that will say, it's just my mother-in-law, we just don't get along, but she's insisting she comes and I just feel like, mm-hmm. listen, this is your birth. You get one shot at this per child. Mm-hmm. Please say no when you need to say no or ask people to come if you prefer them to be there. Don't wait too long. Or blame it on us. Yeah, just blame it on us. Please pick your birth team how you want it. This is about you. Um, and sometimes we do have husbands that are like... Um, or partners, but typically, okay, listen, typically it's a married man and woman and the man will say, I really want my mom there. She'd be so upset. And so then she doesn't know how to say no to him. But yeah. I feel like message out to the guys, like you're only hurting the birth process if you're insisting that your mother or anyone else comes that your wife isn't comfortable with or yeah. that your partner's not comfortable with. You have to be super comfortable with everyone who comes to your birth. Yep. And a good sign of that is if you do better laboring when people aren't in the room or certain people, that's probably a good sign that that person shouldn't be in your birth space. And even yeah. in that moment, if you've felt pressure to put someone in your birth space, like you can kick them out during your labor or ask your midwife or your provider to or your spouse. Yeah. Yeah, so really just in short, do the things like research, get your birth team together. Don't just listen to what other people say. Look everything up. Mm -hmm. And then like the birth is the icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. Your education and your planning and your prenatal care, those are the important parts. The birth is just, it's just one small bit of it. Yeah. And then like, and like we said, then preparing for the, the postpartum too, because postpartum takes a lot of people by surprise. So many people. And don't buy all the stuff for postpartum. That's another thing. People spend so much money. Like, and I want to say this when it comes along with like the chiropractic care and like the doula care. Prioritize your money. Yeah. Like people spend thousands of dollars on like 
weird contraptions like swings and pack and plays and car seats and strollers. Well, and you need the car yeah, seat. Definitely, please I, get the car seat. You do need, you do need the car seat, and strollers are helpful. But like, um, why would I want to push my baby away? But you see all these. I love my baby. You see all like people spending so much money on so all much these money. baby things, and it's like if you're having a baby shower and people are getting you these things, like you can be like. Instead of buying fund. me a hundred or or how many clothes people will have yeah. like a thousand dollars worth of zero to three months baby dresses never then, happening <laughs> or like newborn clothes for babies that come out nine pounds and <laughs> you're like oops yeah so <laughs> or it's like, tutus if you're having so, a girl how many do you need yeah you can never really have too many asking tutus. so but if people want to get you <laughs> gifts like there are now programs where it can be like instead of buying me a fifty dollar Jack and Janie zero to three month pair of pants like put it towards a doula fund put mm-hmm. it towards a chiropractic fund because or a postpartum that, doula yeah that's gonna make a huge difference so much more of a difference in your birth and your postpartum than like your um, kid's gonna be cute if they're in clothes or not yeah it'll be fine most just want to be naked anyway or they won't be cute but that can't be fixed it's, with clothes it's probably so. gonna get stained with baby <laughs> poop within the first time the, the kid wears it anyway for sure um so i think if unless anyone else has something else that we've forgotten on how to prepare, this was so light and breezy today, given everything going on in the world. I, I think don't think so. so. Maybe I mean, no one freaked out yeah. or got mad. By no one, I mean myself. <laughs> Do you <laughs> usually? I was gonna say that's not your norm. <laughs> it's light and breezy because it's light and breezy outside. It is so nice. It's beautiful. Nice. Um, but I think it's time for our birth story of the week. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Um. So. What are you saying? You want to take a little break? I wasn't sure if we knew which one we were doing or not. Um. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Why don't you tell us which one, Jess? Since this is your jam, it's the birth that you guys did together last, or in oh, theory. you mean the one we wanted to do together, together, but then last. Meredith didn't call me in time, and so I missed it. That birth, yeah, that one, that one, yeah. I'm not. I just want to say, I'm not I've been mad. waiting for this for a week. <laughs> I knew the second that, though, honestly, when that baby's head started coming out, my first thought wasn't, okay, how am I gonna f- get this baby out? It was like, oh shit, Kim's, Kim's gonna, gonna, gonna be so mad, kill me, <laughs> and I'm gonna have to hear about it on the podcast. I wasn't mad. I was really happy for her. What and did you? What did y'all keep saying? You had a term for it. I don't remember. Happy, no, happy pissed. Oh, we were pissed happy. Pissed happy. Yeah. It sounds her, like a how I spent Her good most friend was life. like, I'm so pissed happy because we all missed it. But, but <laughs> let's as we get pissed. pissed. As we said before, I get to, I get to assist Meredith sometimes and it just makes me so happy. So not only was I sad that I didn't get to assist Meredith, but I had been with this mom for her first baby and I just was so excited. I wanted to be there so bad, but she was so happy to be done. Also, this was going to be the most glorious like pre like labor setup we ever would have experienced we literally had like a separate room built onto the birth room with a giant couch on it that we could have lounged on for all hours these things. while she was in labor i and missed all, all of, of it. the snacks i missed all of it too i didn't get to do any of the couch lounging because well, she labors so quickly i mean yeah. she's amazing well let's talk a little bit about the things she did to prepare for birth because you let's guys said that. before that that she did she like she took all the suggestions. She's amazing. So she, her man's a PT, and so physical not, therapist. Th- yeah, physical therapist. And so her babe. So this backstory: this mom had a pretty big first baby, and so we were anticipating a larger baby this time as well. And so she was like really nervous about baby size, and her body was doing really funky things where it was like pretty clear that the baby like wanted to come out, but her body wasn't really going with it. Or well, actually, it was the other way. Her body wanted to have her baby out, but the baby was like in a wonky position position or something so anyways they went to the pool like three to four times a week and did really awesome spinning babies exercises in the pool which you recommend to people all the time because pools are amazing tools but nobody does that which i get so yeah so her and her man did these really cool releasing exercises in the pool every week and i kept saying chiro care and they were open to it but they knew they're already doing pt so they weren't sure if it would be beneficial and then finally she was like i'm desperate i need this kid out so she started going to chiro like three days a week too and so she just did all these amazing things she, she was sleeping. That was another she thing. Was sleeping. She slept all the time. And she was eating. And she had a support person mm-hmm. that was like her doula slash, you know, whatever. Not that she needed it because her husband was freaking amazing. So, I mean, come on. 
And she also, I was really proud of her too. Like I just want to say, I'm sorry, that I knew you, you were going to cut in. Super amazing husband and doulas are still their different yeah. roles. Yes, totally he's different just roles. different. He does, especially because he's a northerner. He does. <laughs> he is a northerner. He does all, but he does all the and doula sorry, stuff. Northerner is those support people who only hang out in the north. They don't go south. They're like in Canada wearing. They flannel. don't get to see what's going on. They don't down ever want to see the vagina ever. Mm. Um, but yeah, and then I was really proud of this mom too because she is really comfortable with birth and. Really trust her body but then her last prenatal she was even like there might be a little like emotional hold up for me and I was like okay well let's talk about it and she talked about it and I think it was really important for her to work through that so she, so she did literally did everything and then she had an amazing birth that was really fast so fast and furious <laughs> yeah and we all missed it except for Meredith yeah the fast I felt and the so furious of birth work yeah I felt awful and then she I really she had, had and I really I keep saying it to try to reassure Cam but I had no idea it was going that fast and then she threw up and I was like oh my gosh she's in transition oh, I'm no. so sorry Cam oh no and didn't she celebrate that the baby was only nine and a half pounds yeah wow this thing practically fell out yeah it's only nine and a half pounds mm-hmm <laughs> Well, I think that goes back to our birth story. Like, I see some people that always have big babies, and they just, like, rock those kids out like nothing's happening. I'm only 5'2", and my babies are over 9 pounds, Mm -hmm. so... And my labors are super short, and except for the last one. And you've never, like, tested positive or gestational diabetes. Like, just some people genetically have bigger babies. Yep. So, anyways, it was glorious. So I felt really, that, really, Mom. really, really bad for Kim. But she got to come and do all the fun postpartum stuff and snuggle Don't. a really fat baby. So. I do. I love fat babies. Fat babies are the best. They yeah. are. Well, that was fun. Also, I think my biggest lesson for that birth was don't just assume that shit's going to take a long time because the, big, the baby's big. That was, like, a really good lesson. I actually find that is the opposite. I find that... Births with babies, out. yeah. <laughs> Once it kicks in, it's like, and we're on. Well, oh. with our first baby, it took a while, so I just like assumed well, that we were going to be on that same train. Well, Even though second babies do go faster baby. sometimes. And but. also, she had that super um, pubic pain that we talked about mm-hmm. last time, which I'm sure meant that she all she had was that cervical lip left. Had you called me earlier, I would have told you that. <laughs> That's fine. I didn't even check her, so I probably but wouldn't I love have either so way because she's clearly booking it. <laughs> she did not need to be checked. Or put in check. She did it all. She checked awesome. out and she rocked it out. Also, this mom goes real primal and it's really cool to watch. So as a birth worker, I would say pay really, like, I don't know, just like look I out for that. those moms. Those are the coolest moms to watch because they just are so in their own heads and it's beautiful to see and it's really powerful. That's what you're going to be like, Meredith. That is not what I'm going to be like, but I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> I don't see that for Meredith, but, mm. but I'm going to be think flailing and screaming. That's okay. We're going to pull you in. I'm going to bite your butt. That's Ooh. fine. <laughs> that sounds nice. <laughs> this no. mom that, who just had her baby almost bit Kim's butt for the first baby. So, so close. If my butt had been bigger, she would have been able to reach it, but it's very <laughs> flat and behind my knees, it so was, it was protected. If it was my butt, she would have gotten a big old mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've come to an end of what we wish come our clients would do. Conclusion of this episode. Um, Sorry, we're not drinking. <laughs> if you guys think of anything to Sorry add about that, if you guys think of anything to add to this, like, oh, the list is like never ending. We always want to hear from you guys. And again, we've been we were wanting to do a birth story of the week every week. It doesn't have to be one of our birth stories. We're sharing stories that people send in. So if you would like your birth story um, read. Or, uh, shared. on the air, shared, discussed, uh, discussed dramatically by us. shared, dramatically recreated. <laughs> yes, then we are. We would like you to send it to us. You can email it to us. Can at, we start doing that? Can we start doing videos of us recreating birth stories that people write in? Yeah, that would be we hilarious. Can, we need I'm to not ready on, to commit to that. We need to work on our YouTube channel anyway. Yeah, um, oh, for sure. And then, so yeah, so. Uh, I was about to say, send your stories to whineaboutbirth at gmail.com. And I think the only thing else that we have to say is... Cheers! Cheers. Cheers. That was a lot better than usual. (laughs) That's because it was a water glass. drink water more often. (gasps) 